So as we begin this third full day of practice, we can reflect just for a moment on where we've been. We've talked about and practiced with the first foundation of mindfulness, the body. Though our focus may have been on the breathing process, we were also aware of posture, sitting, standing, walking, and lying down. Aware of ourselves in motion. Aware of our body positions, whether we were eating, brushing teeth, going to the bathroom all daily activities. I believe it was Ajahn Buddhadasa that said, never in all your practice, in all your contemplation, lose your connection with the body. The body is that foundation so important. Everything grows from that. Everything is connected to the body. It's the foundation in the way that the footings and the cement are the foundation of a building. It doesn't do so well without that foundation. The next day we focused some on Vedana, on feeling tone, understanding that every moment of experience comes with a flavor of pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. how important it is to know this so that when we find ourselves too far down the line in craving and clinging and then finally in suffering, we can go back. We can go back. It's never too late. Go back to feeling tone. Simply the feeling tone. And today, the third full day of practice, we work with a third foundation called mindfulness of mind, or sometimes called mindfulness of heart and mind, also called mindfulness of consciousness. The moments of consciousness are so rapid, it's very difficult to follow, very subtle, So consciousness refers to something very specific. It refers to sense consciousness. There is a different consciousness related to every sense organ. 
So for sights, for eyes, there is the sight consciousness. For nose, there is the smell consciousness. For mouth, and, and there is the taste consciousness. For ears, there is sound consciousness. For body, there is sensory consciousness, touch consciousness. And for mind, there is mind consciousness. Sight consciousness can only know sights. So there has to be some object that meets. <coughs> there has to be a sight that meets with the eyes and is known as a sight because of that consciousness meeting it. In other words, the meeting of the three is what creates what we call a moment of consciousness. The object, the right organ, or, and that particular consciousness. We often think we can know two things at the same time, a sight and a sound. <coughs> a sensory feeling in the body and a smell. But this is not true. We can only know one moment of consciousness at a time. The reason it seems that we know too, that we can hear a sound and see a sight at the same time is because there's such rapid fluctuation between one and the other. Knowing this might help you become aware of the grosser, longer fluctuations. On a gross level, listening to the truck that just went down the road, there was a higher pitch sound and a lower pitch sound, a higher pitch sound and a lower pitch sound. There were so many fluctuations within that that we couldn't, I couldn't, <coughs> apprehend. But the greater ones we can. There are several ways to work with this. <coughs> One of them, with this mindfulness of consciousness or mindfulness of heart and mind, mindfulness of mind, one of them is simply to ask yourself, what is the mood? What's the mood right now? You don't have to name it. And just let it be 
a felt sense. What is the mood? The monks that from Abhayagiri often start a meditation practice this way. It's a turning in on oneself, an examination of (coughs) the mind. especially if you get stuck with your meditation practice, frustration or discomfort, even sleepiness or agitation, whatever it is, stop yourself. Reflect back. What's the mood? The next thing to do is to know the arising of various emotions. Could be anger, could be frustration, could be joy or happiness. And to allow them each to arise and pass. There is anger. There's joy without identifying and making it you. So instead of saying, I am angry, you can recognize anger is there. Anger is present. And in that way you allow its coming and going It's arising and passing. It's disillusion. This integrates well with your breathing. Breathing in and breathing out. And it's perfectly fine to stop yourself and inquire, what's the mood? Or to notice when an emotion arises. To the best of your ability, noticing the very beginning, it's arising, gathering intensity and dissolving.
as you periodically check in with yourself, asking that question, so what's the mood now? You might notice that it doesn't stay the same. Your moods, your mind states are as changeable as any phenomena. They should come as good news. It's hard to identify with something that is constantly moving, changing.
if as you're noticing your moods and noticing the arising of emotions, you consider them your own, belonging to you, who you are, then you've certainly headed towards suffering. The anger, the malice, the mean thoughts are still adventitious visitors. They don't belong to you. They don't define who you are. Knowing that, you can take a mental step back and allow them all to come and go, to gather and disperse, to be born and to die. Only visitors, only here for a short time. Even, even if it seems like they'll stay forever.
I was waiting for the moment the sound <coughs> ceased. It's an interesting thing to do, noticing the moments of <coughs> cessation, gone. So any questions? This is a good time to ask. Primarily about the instructions this morning, if there's anything confusing or anything that happened that needs clarification. Yes. I sometimes get a little mixed up with um, the question from yesterday, what's the feeling tone? Mm -hmm. okay. Sure. Um, you know, these things are almost artificially separated. There are ways for us to understand what's going on. But in the actual practice, there may be some, you're never really out of the body. The f even feeling tones have, have connection to the body. And, um, and moods and consciousness has connection to the body because um, you have, you have the organs that apprehend the, the sights, the sounds, so on, and the consciousness that puts it all together. So they are mixed up together, but they're just ways of understanding them um, and being able. So I don't, you, you could maybe elaborate a little bit more to say what part confused you or what, did, did everybody hear that? I apologize. There was some is, am I correct? There was some confusion or some mixing up between feeling tone and mind states. That and also that um, sometimes the mood triggers a question for me to assess my emotions mm -hmm. rather than the more neutralized like sensations and like what all can fall into mood as well. Well, emotions are part of mind state, and also going back to Vedana, it sort of has its legs in both body and in emotion. It's not quite either. It's sort of like a bridge. It's a little taste of both. <laughs> so you can see these things are kind of blending in a way. But I want, I want to make sure that I understand your question so, or that you feel like you've been answered. I think so, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yes. I had two shame attacks already today. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's worth exploring. Um, having the, I think what this recognition of the transience or the impermanence or the changeability of the emotion kind of sets the stage for being able to be equanimous with it. And equanimity is that state where you allow your experience to come and go without grabbing onto it and needing more or pushing it away. And it's not indifference. And so if you are, if one could be completely equanimous, which probably won't happen, then it would be a very easy knowing of your emotions arising and passing, even if it's a strong one like shame. But we get hooked in really quickly. I mean, it's for lots of reasons, lots of reasons. And um, 
And it's also skillful to go to what would be a body practice, which is really recognizing where that's felt in the body. And, and really avoiding the stories entirely. I'm a good meditator. I'm a bad meditator. I don't belong here. How come everybody else looks okay? Why do I feel shame and nobody else does? You know, the, these, are the, these are the arrows, the darts that we're throwing. So yes, I think it's worthwhile to explore, um, explore the emotion if that's what's needed. So it's a, there's some discernment that's going on here, what's needed. If you have any questions about the talk last night, too, that's part of it. Questions? Ilani? I don't think I quite understand that. Could you say a little bit more? You're not sensing any particular emotion. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm going to try to repeat this, but I'm not sure I can because I'm not sure I understand the question. But just you—you you said you're feeling kind of a blankness. Is that correct? Oftentimes. Mm-hmm. There's not permission to not permission to feel. Okay. Are you sense are you that so the question as I understand it so far is there's kind of a maybe it's a resistance of some sort because there's not an allowance to feel whatever emotion wants to arise? Or is it the emotion hasn't arisen? Well, you know, uh, uh, the word resistance is interesting, and I just uh, <coughs> just you know, just uh, oftentimes, you know, I, uh, <laughs> have not been able to to feel. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Inani is saying she sometimes notices she's not able to feel. And I, I think that that's not uncommon. I think a lot of people, um, I know Bruce has spoken to this before, how long it took him to really get in touch with his emotions, that they, he just didn't have access to them. So I don't think it's unusual. And I think part of this really is developing the allowance, the courage, for an emotion to present itself. I think a lot of us in this culture have grown up 
with many emotions not being okay to express for sure, and that means it's not okay to feel. And so there can be a separation within us ourselves. I don't think that's, I think our culture, you know, really does not encourage true emotional expression, in a hel- even in a healthy way. So if you're feeling some blankness there, or some non-allowance, it's possible that it's just part of your cultural conditioning. And so your recognition might just be <coughs> that you're not, there's nothing much going on there right now. And also to, if you can, develop kind of a, an allowance for it to show itself and a kindness towards its emergence. You can't make it happen. You can just kind of open the door. I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm going to have to stop for the moment because we have to make a few announcements. And one of the most important ones is that we have practice discussions that are going to start shortly. Um, A couple other reminders. So please make sure you check the schedule so that you arrive at your practice discussion. We're going to place doors, excuse me, doors outside. We're going to place chairs outside the doors um, to let you know that somebody is still inside, that we're still talking. I think we'll, I'll try and open the door when we're all finished. So you can just wait on the chair until whoever you're seeing is ready to see you. Um, Please remember to cover up like that when you're coughing or sneezing. And thank you very much for those of you who are paying attention and not using any scented products, which I hope is all of us, and for being very careful about the doors, especially at nighttime. Um, There's a couple of notes that have been on the board for a while to Yogi, so make sure even if you haven't written a note, to check the board to make sure there's nothing for you. And if you have written a note, there probably is something for you. And the last thing is that there are a couple more spaces for Ayla's um, yoga practice, individual yoga practice, discussion or practice. And so do sign up. And her space has been moved to the facilities room, which is across from the community room. I'll try to explain where that is. I'm sorry, from not the community room, the council room. And it's downstairs. There is a sign past the elevator that points down the stairs that says to community room, and it also says to facilities room. And so you go down the stairs and then turn around to the right, and there are two rooms. Uh, the council room and across the hallway from that is the facilities room. And uh, maybe we'll have to have guides like in the guest house. There'll be a guide to take you to this place. Um, I believe that's all. Is there anything else?
Just say that the facilities room slash Jill's room oh. often stays there when the house is filled. So also just know you'll get a little Jill down there. That sounds very nice. Yeah. Well, thank you all for your practice and your heart and your questions and your courage just to keep on going. Even when the questions can't be answered, still good to hold them. Thank you.